Live from Southern California, this is the Jim Rome Show. The top story is the most absurd NFL story in a long, long time. And it had been fading out by yesterday, but then Kyler Murray and the Cardinals themselves stepped up and they hit that story with the paddles. They just decided to reload the shotguns and then blast their feet off yet again. And obviously it went terribly. Just as I predicted, just as everybody in the world knew that it would. Murray had an unscheduled presser yesterday to address the homework clause in his contract. And as you might imagine, the guy already plays with a big chip on his shoulder, which I like and I respect. However, he was none too pleased, code for, pissed off about that homework clause, the independent study clause in his contract, and he made no secret of that and did not try to hide it. To think that I can accomplish everything that I've accomplished in my career and not be a student of the game and not, um, not have that passion and not, not take this serious is, is almost it's disrespectful, and it's, it's, almost, it's, it's almost a joke. Yeah, I get it. I hear you. If I were you, I'd be pissed too. And I would feel disrespected also by a homework clause. Because you know what? It's really disrespectful. And it's demeaning. And it's humiliating. So I understand that. I get why you feel that way. I understand. He went on. I'm flattered. You know, I'm I'm honestly flattered that y'all think that at my size I can go out there and not prepare for the game and not not take it serious. All right, so that's where you lose me. That whole, I I get it, y'all. Kyler, I hate to break this to you. We all don't think that. Your team thinks that. That's the most comical thing about this entire thing. The team that just gave you a $230 million contract is the team that does not think you prepare for games well enough or that you take it seriously enough. Do not direct this at the media or the fans or anybody else. We didn't write that contract. We didn't put that clause in. The team did. They're the ones who put the homework clause in, not us. You're the one who agreed to it, not us. So I understand why you're pissed. You're just pissed at the wrong people. None of us did this to you. The team did. And you yourself agreed to it and put your name on the line that was dotted. We're not the ones who leaked this embarrassing clause. Somebody else did, and it might have been the team. I don't know who did it, but somebody did. So don't blame the media. Don't blame the fans. We have absolutely nothing to do with this. The media is not the problem. The fans are not the problem. This is not between all of us and you. It's between you and your team. Later in the presser, he said this. You know, of course, we all watch film. That's not, um, that doesn't need to be questioned. But it's, again, I, you know, I, I refuse to, to let my work ethic, my preparation be in question. Ah, wrong again. Wrong. The media and the fans were not the ones questioning your preparation and work ethic. The team was. That's why they put that clause in the contract. I mean, sure, there were some questions about your body language, your durability, maybe even your ability to lead. There were those questions outside the facility, but nobody was talking about how much you prepared or how much you studied. None of us knew this was an issue until we found out about the independent study slash homework clause. 
So don't come at us like we're the ones questioning your preparation and work ethic because none of us ever did. We didn't even know it was an issue until the team made it an issue and made it a public issue. So this is not a media problem or a fan problem. This is a you and the team problem. A you and whoever leaked that clause to the media problem. Okay? We were not the ones questioning your willingness to prepare. The team was. Not only did they question it, they put it in bold. They underlined it. They put it into a legal document, and then you signed it. One side note, my guy. While you're killing all of us for allegedly questioning your willingness to get into the dark room, something, again, that we didn't do, the fact is you actually told the New York Times after the season that you're not, quote, one of those guys that's going to sit there and kill myself watching film. End of quote. My guy, that's not helping you right now either. You're on record as saying that. And also, bad enough to think that, but why the hell would you ever admit something like that? And if you admit that you're not a big film guy, you can't come in here and tell us how disrespectful it is and how much of a joke it is that anybody would question whether or not you're a big film guy when you say you're not a big film guy. I mean, how much sense does that make? Make that make sense. Listen, I'm not saying that there aren't scumbags in the media with agendas. There are. I'm not saying that there aren't scumbags as fans who have no lives. There are those too. But this one isn't on us, my guy. It's on you and your team. I mean, never assigning a $230 million contract felt or looked worse because we weren't the ones questioning your willingness to prepare. Your team was. If it was such a joke, here's the thing. If it was such a joke and so disrespectful, why did you agree to sign it then? And, and, if that weren't bad enough, a few hours after that presser, the team announced that they had removed the clause from the contract. Incredibly. Quote, after seeing the distraction that it created, we removed the addendum from the contract. It was clearly perceived in ways that were never intended. Our confidence in Kyler Murray is as high as it's ever been, and nothing demonstrates our belief in his ability to lead this team more than the commitment reflected in this contract. End of quote. And once again, all together now, ah, another wrong answer. You want to talk about showing wrong. up with a fire truck after the building has already burned down? We just humiliated our quarterback, leaving a permanent mark on his rep, but we take it all back. First of all, this whole thing about it was perceived, this was not how it was meant to be perceived, it was perceived exactly the way it should have been perceived. The only way it could be perceived as a team that does not think their quarterback does the work. How about this part about, oh, our confidence in him has never been as high as it's been, which means it's kind of high, sort of high, mid-high, maybe closer to low. If you had so much confidence in him, why did you put that clause in the contract in the first place? Yeah, we believe in our dude so much that we're going to browbeat him into studying film for 45 minutes per day, and we're going to make sure that when he's studying, he's studying, and he's not distracted. And by the way, how are you going to do that? How are you going to do that? Are you going to have a proxy with him every single day? 
If you really had that confidence in him, you would not have put that homework clause in the contract. It didn't just show up by accident. It was not something left over from some other boilerplate contract. Because nobody had ever heard of a con a clause like that before. You thought it up. You wrote it down. A bunch of people looked at it, signed off on it, and then you presented it to him. And why? Because you were questioning his work ethic. 230 mil to a guy that you were not completely sold on. So what I'm getting at is this. This has been an absurd mess from start to finish. And just because the clause is gone now does not mean that story is over. They think so. They think they put an end to that. They think, all right, good. All right, that was a disaster and a cluster bleep, but now it's behind us. It's beyond us. No, it's not. No, it's not. That's going to hang around as long as he and the cards are together. So I said before, I hope that was worth it, but I know that it was not. That could not have been handled any worse from start to finish, an unmitigated disaster. How do I know? Because I've always been a fan of the guy and the team. I'm actually still a fan of the guy, the team, but that could not have been handled any worse. Any worse. And just know this. I'm not saying that the fans are not to blame for a lot of things. I'm not saying the media is not to blame for a lot of things. We are not to blame for this thing. Oh, yeah. I absolutely love that sound. Brings a smile to my face every single time because... That is the sound of another sale on Shopify, the all-in-one commerce platform to start, run, and grow your business. That's why I love that sound. Shopify gives entrepreneurs the resources once reserved for big business so upstart startups and established businesses alike can sell everywhere and synchronize online and in-person sales and effortlessly stay informed. They can do all of that for you. Listen, scaling your business is a journey of endless possibility. I I know this. I know where we started. I know where we are right now, and I'm still on that journey. And like mine, Shopify powers over millions of businesses from first sale to full scale. Reach customers online and across social networks with an ever-growing suite of channel integrations and apps including Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, Pinterest, and more. More than a store, Shopify grows with you. Go to Shopify.com slash Rome, all lowercase, and get a free 14-day trial and get full access to Shopify's entire suite of features. Grow your business with Shopify today. Go to Shopify.com slash R-O-M-E right now, all lowercase. That's Shopify.com slash R-O-M-E. Which, of course, John Morosi will be all over. John, it is so good to have you on the program. How are you? Jim, my friend, always love our conversations, especially at this time of year. We've got great storylines all around Major League Baseball and always honored to be speaking with you here on a Friday afternoon. Always great to have you on the show, John, for that very reason. Let's not waste any time. You and I have spent so much time over the last few years trying to kind of put into words what we've seen from Shohei Otani. Knowing how transcendent he is, John, what is your reaction now that his name has actually come up in trade reports? Well, Jim, it's really both unprecedented and disappointing, I think, for the Los Angeles Angels because of where they're at right now as an organization. You see Mike Trout, of course, having the back issues, which uh, who, who knows what that's going to mean for his future. And I think it's apparent to me, whether he's vocalized it directly to ownership or not, that the current situation has become frustrating for Shohei Otani. And I think that's where ownership has to consider the possibility of trading him now because this is not a scenario, Jim, that I could envision Shohei Otani wanting to sign with the Angels 
long-term with just now a year and a half left on his contract before free agency. The one main reason to keep him, I guess there's obviously a couple main reasons. Number one is he's the best player in the world all around. But number two, so many of the Angels' commercial interests, business-wise, marketing, advertising, it's all linked to their most marketable player, who right now, honestly, is not Mike Trout. It is Shohei Otani. So to have to tell your advertisers, hey, you know, we just traded away our most marketable star, and Mike Trout's got a back issue, it's, it's hard from a business standpoint. So I will still be a little bit surprised, Jim, if a trade happens in the next 72 hours. But the mere possibility, as you raise that idea, is just staggering. And I think this speaks to the, the quandary that the Angels are in right now. John Morosi joining us. John, there's a question that you yourself raised that I'd like to turn around on you because it's so interesting. If you were giving up a lot in a trade right now, which would you rather have, Otani for the rest of this year and next year, or Juan Soto for the rest of this year and then two more years? Jim, that is an excellent question. That, that is one of the great questions in baseball right now, and you have touched on it. I would say this, that in some level it sort of depends on what your needs are, but I love the fact that if you get Otani for the next two pennant races, you're addressing two needs with one player, right? How many teams, whether it's the Dodgers or anybody else, would say to you, hey, we're looking for a bat or an arm, whichever helps us the most, and here comes Otani addressing both needs. So for me... What Otani brings is just a cut above everybody else. The, the, the word of caution, of course, is that there's one, you know, he's one elbow strain away from, from everything sort of changing and, and, and him not being able to pitch as often as he is right now. But I would still say at the moment you look at everything he is doing, Jim, I don't know if there's a player in the world that you'd rather have on your roster than Shohei Otani. So I would vote for Otani narrowly over Soto. John Morosi joining us. All right, John, so let's talk about some other teams. What about the Padres? They don't necessarily, John, have as much to trade as they've had in the past, but what kind of a package could the Padres put together for Soto? And if that were to possibly happen, how do you like that fit for San Diego and him? I, I think it's a great fit. And obviously the Padres, we go back, Jim, a year ago. Remember, we were talking about how close the Padres were to getting Max Scherzer from the Nationals. These same teams were involved in these conversations. Nationals talking with both the Padres and the Dodgers. The Padres thought they had Scherzer. All of a sudden, everything changed, and the Dodgers got him and, and went on, of course, to have a great season. I, I look at it this way with the Padres. I think C.J. Abrams probably has to be part of that deal if they're going to bring in Juan Soto. I would also say Robert Hassel III. We saw him play in the Futures game. Tremendous outfield prospect. I think for me... Hassel and Abrams to start. I'm a little worried about Mackenzie Gore at an elbow issue this week in Detroit, and that concerns me a bit in terms of what his trade value is at the moment, given the uncertainty there. Could they build the package instead around Adrian Morejon, who has come back from Tommy John surgery and pitched very well? That's a possibility. So I, I do think the Padres, while you point out correctly, Jim, they don't have the same depth that they had in the past. I still think there is enough there for the Padres to be the team against Juan Soto. John Morosi joining us. John, you mentioned the Dodgers. Well, you mentioned Max Scherzer. The Dodgers, of course, jumped in, Rip Scherzer and Trey Turner. Even though the Dodgers, John, already have the best record in the National League, could you see them jumping into this once again and making a serious run at Soto themselves? Absolutely, Jim. I think if there's one thing we have learned about the Dodgers in years past, it's that we never 
We never count them out. I mean, how rare is it that a team has, I think, objectively the greatest set of resources that any team has right now? Obviously, the Yankees have a lot, but the Dodgers have been carrying the higher payroll for a longer period of time here in recent years. Plus, what is described by many prospect experts as the best farm system in all of baseball. I mean, that, that combination of circumstances, Jim, so rarely happens. The Dodgers are so deep, so good. You've got to credit their scouting director, Billy Gasparino, farm director, Will Rimes, for building up this outstanding group of young players that they, they can trade from. So I think for me, could they get Soto? Yes. And, and one of the reasons why I love Soto for them is it's both the splashy move and the prudent move. Because remember, Cody Bellinger, his contract is up at the end of the year. He makes about what Soto makes right now. And so if you've decided that it's time to move on from Bellinger and they haven't quite gotten the same level of production for Muncie this year, or the two lefty bats that are sort of on their way out, so you instead bring in Soto, lefty bat, to pair up now going forward with Mookie Betts and Freddie Freeman. We'll see how things happen with Trey Turner. It just fits, Jim. It's a logical move for the Dodgers, and they've got the prospects to do it. The one thing I would add is I also think for them getting a starting pitcher would be a wise move too. And, and, and I was told recently that they've talked with the Reds about Luis Castillo. When you consider how many innings their pitchers have thrown, uh, the, the uncertainty surrounding Walker Bueller, while yes, they've got the prospects to get Soto and they may well get Juan Soto, I think pitching is just the same level of priority right now for the Los Angeles Dodgers. John Morosi expertly breaking it all down. John, because you mentioned the Yankees, let me double back to that. They've been scuffling a little bit of late. They were swept by the Mets. Do you see them making moves before the deadline? Do you think they need to do something? Well, they've already gotten Andrew Benintendi. That was a big deal for them, and certainly he will likely replace Joey Gallo in terms of the at-bats that Joey was getting against right-handed pitching. We all know the struggles for Gallo this year well-documented with the New York Yankees. I think on the pitching side is where I would look to it. You know, their position player group, Jim, is so good. They've added Ben and Tenney to that group. I would be very reluctant to change too much there. They've already got a, really in a, a surplus of great everyday players because of LeMahieu and his versatility. So I would leave the position player mix pretty much settled now that you've brought in Ben and Tenney. But on the pitching side, I think talking with the, with the Cincinnati Reds, obviously I mentioned Castillo earlier, I think Tyler Malley, is one more name to watch if you're the New York Yankees. Uh, he is not the big name that Castillo is, but I've been very impressed by the way that he has pitched since the early part of June in the ERA under three over that time for the Reds. So I would say Castillo or Malley. I'm a little wary of Frankie Montas and the injury history there. I, I would point out on a, on a, rental, uh, a rental possibility, Martin Perez with the Texas Rangers postseason experience a very good season for him as a left-hander this year. John, before I let you go, I want to ask you about the White Sox. They're kind of curious to me because they're currently 49 and 49. They've been a major, major disappointment this season. Do you get the sense that there are sellers in this market, or can you point to the fact that they're only three games out of first, so maybe they go for it? It's the latter, Jim. I was told this morning by a source there with the White Sox, their current plan is to go for it. Being only three games back, as you mentioned, despite all of their inconsistency, and, and they have been running in third place in this division for a long time, I don't think they've been above 500 for about six weeks. They have been the definition of mediocrity at a time when they were supposed to be one of the very best teams 
in the major leagues. Now, they still have the talent. Tim Anderson is an all-star. Obviously, he's had a tremendous season offensively. I, I still believe that there is enough talent in this team to win the division. Both the Twins and the Guardians have their flaws. So, Jim, from where I sit, the, the White Sox believe they're still in this. They're not going to trade Giolito. They're not going to trade Lance Lynn. And I would not be surprised if, despite all the adversity they've faced, if they're somewhere in the playoffs by the time October arrives. Hey, John, not to get greedy, but one last thought really quickly. Boston went from being nine games over 500 over a month ago to 17 games out of first as of this morning. Exactly what happened to this team, and how do you expect them to approach the trade deadline? You know, Jim, for me, it's the, in- the inconsistency of their rotation. You know, they had some good moments early, and then Evaldi got hurt. Chris Sale never came back, and he came back, and he got hurt again quickly. Um, they just have not had the consistency that you need to succeed in the American League East when you consider not just the Yankees, but the Rays, the Jays, and the resurgent Baltimore Orioles as well. So I think the lineup has been a little bit too reliant on, on their, their core star players, Bogarts, Devers, um, J.D. Martinez to an extent as well. Kike Hernandez has been injured a lot this season. I think that has hurt them certainly significantly. But I would just say they're, they're not overall the same ball club that they were last year in the playoffs. I think they missed what Kyle Schwarber gave them, Jim. And so for me, I think it's time for them to sell. Now, there was a report last night that Xander Bogarts has been told that he's not going to be traded. And certainly he's a great player, and I understand their interest in keeping him long-term. But they need to do something here to get this team in a better spot for next season, and that might end up being uh, maybe trading J.D. Martinez here at the deadline and trying to find a way, Jim, to sign Rafael Devers long-term. He might not quite be Juan Soto, my friend, but he is really close. Devers is an elite bat. My friend, an amazing conversation prior to the trade deadline. Once again, MLB Network has got the Hank Aaron Invitational at Atlanta's Truist Park this Sunday, 8 p.m. Eastern, plus wall-to-wall trade deadline programming Monday and Tuesday. John Morosi will be all over that. MLB Network Insider, NHL Network, good friend of the program. John, thank you very, very much. An amazing job by you, as always. Have an amazing weekend, and I know we'll do it again soon. Sounds great, Jim. Have a wonderful weekend. I always look forward to our conversations. Thanks so much for the, for the invitation. Really appreciate it. So I have a brand new product that I can't wait to tell you about. The Turbo Extreme Steam Steam and Iron 2-in-1. I love this bad boy. Yeah, I'll tell you what. If you know anything about me, even before my radio program became a TV simulcast, I always want to look buttoned up. Always want to look professional. And part of that is making sure that I am wrinkle-free. I found myself the most powerful handheld steamer. I love it. It's fast. And there is easy wrinkle removal. An extra large sole plate that can be used vertically or horizontally. And it works without steam as a dry iron. I'm talking about the Conair Turbo Extreme Steam. Advanced heat technology is ready almost instantly and it obliterates wrinkles with turbocharged dry steam. Four settings for delicate to turbo is perfect for all fabrics. Plus, it is easy to use and it's great both for at home or on the go. Again, I love this product. To get yours today, go to Amazon and search for Conair Turbo Extreme Steam. That's Conair Turbo Extreme Steam. Let's talk Zion for a minute. So, he's got a fat clause in his contract. I'm well aware of that, clones. You do not need to direct me to that. I know this. He's got a massive clause 
in his massive extension to prevent him from getting massive himself. As always, I know about these stories. And as usual, the moment an athlete or a celebrity's weight is in the news, you all slam the fat alarm and you go heft con five. Heft con five. On the off chance that you do not know the deets, Scion's New Deal is worth a reported 195 mil over five years. If he hits certain incentives, like winning the MVP, that can make it 231 mil. If he reaches other disincentives, like breaking the scale, he could lose money. According to NOLA.com, Williams' contract stipulates that he will have weigh-ins periodically throughout the entirety of his new deal. The sum of his weight and body fat percentage must be below 295. If it is not, the amount of guaranteed money in Williamson's contract can be reduced. End of quote. Again, CBS should have done that. CBS should have put a fat clause in my contract and had me weigh in during my vacation. Uh, 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 Rome, body weight up, fat percentage up. You're not getting paid this week. You know, the old weight de-escalator. Throwing a weight de-escalator so Zion does not have to take a freight elevator. <laughs> or, like, they're just throwing this guy on a scale. Actually, they're not. <laughs> they're not throwing this guy on a scale. They're going to put him in a dunk tank or hit him with the calipers or whatever other method they choose for measuring body weight. And if he's too fat, the pay gets docked. If the fat alarm goes off, his bank alarm also goes off. Get cut, and he makes a fat stack. Get fat, and the stack gets cut. You see me working. Just like Kyler's homework clause. That's in the contract because the team does not have total confidence in Zion that he'll stay in shape and that he will not fat out. Just asking him to stay in shape has not been enough. They need to incentivize it. The cards put in that clause because they did not trust Kyler to do homework and the Pelicans put in that clause because they do not trust Zion to push away from the table. Which pretty much ends any debate about whether or not those stories about him getting up to 3.30 were real. Those rumors about him showing up looking like Vita Vea in a tank top were probably pretty accurate. If you're putting weight de-escalators into your guy's contract, he probably did get to 3.30 and beyond. His diet probably was every bit as bad as we've heard, and he really was about to make that number one on his jersey look like a pinstripe. Listen, I'm not about personal appearance. I'm not about fat shaming. Unless your body is your moneymaker and it affects your performance and the team overall, then it's fair. The Pelicans' concerns about this guy's weight are not about whether or not this guy can win a beauty pageant. They're about whether or not he can stay on the floor. This is a very unique player, but when he's showing up looking like a nose tackle, that's a problem. And while I'm not concerned that he might actually break the floor, I am concerned about whether or not he can consistently get onto and stay on the floor. 
Because when that guy's out there, he is electric, unlike anybody I've ever seen. But he's only played 85 games in three years. He missed all of last season with that broken foot. Availability is still your best ability. And this guy's making Kyrie, the part-timer, look like Mr. Reliable. So, I'm in favor of the weight clause. It's not that unusual. It makes complete sense. Teams in every sport do it. This is not the Cards babysitting their quarterback and making him do his homework. This is about the Pelicans making sure their franchise player does not crush the franchise or the floorboards. It says here this guy can do it. I'm willing to throw in. I am willing to throw in with this guy. I've seen the pics. I've seen the videos. He looks incredible. And when he's healthy, he can do things that nobody can do. Arguably the most powerful guy on the floor every time he steps on the floor. I just don't want him to step through the floor and fall through the floor. When this guy plays, he is an all-star. He's only scratching the surface. I know he's taken a lot for not being in shape and not being the best teammate. And by the way, it's deserved He should take that heat. But I'm going to bet this guy ultimately picks ball over buns. Cinnabuns. Nothing tastes as good as thin feels, big dog. Not even those 8,000 calorie Cinnabuns. I'm okay with that fat clause. I think I want to start this with a quick question. Do you feel like your antiperspirant keeps you dry all day long? Well then. Dove Men Plus Care Dry Spray has an instantly drying antiperspirant formula that can help give you a cleaner feel, and it offers 48-hour sweat and odor protection. 48 hours. Now that right there is a number. 48 hours. Dove Men Dry Spray feels light and clean on your skin, and it's quick and easy to use, especially when you're on the go. Also, Dove Men Dry Spray contains... Dove's unique one-quarter moisturizing cream that helps to protect your skin, leaving your skin feeling comfortable, and it helps to protect it. What I'm saying is, try Dove Men Dry Spray. Goes on dry. Clean feel all day. Dave Dorn, of course, of course, is their head coach. Dave, it's good to have you back. How are things? Hey, Jim. Thanks for having me, man. Things are good. Just getting ready to get this thing rolling here. Good to hear it. It seems like every time you and I talk, the buzz around the program is louder. The expectations are higher. So right about now, how would you describe that mood and that mindset of your guys going into this particular season? Well, you know, one, I think they're excited uh, more than anything just to get back on the grass. You know, our season ended abruptly last year, and most of our players are back. So there's a little bad taste coming out of the bowl game that didn't happen and just ready to get back to it, you know, and kind of move forward these expectations and accolades have been fun for the guys, but I think they all know that none of that's going to win games for us. We've got to go earn it. All right, so I'm glad you brought that up. I was going to ask you about that. The fact of the matter is, for those who do not know, the last bowl game or the bowl game last year canceled due to a COVID outbreak among UCLA's players. That deprived you of a look at being the second 10-win team in the 130-year history of the program. Look, I get that you're focused on now and this year, but how painful was that not to get a chance to create that legacy? And is it something that fuels the team going into this year? Yeah, it was very painful. Um and probably more so the way that it happened than anything. You know, we, we understand COVID is a part of what we're all dealing with. And, you know, for any of the players at, at UCLA that had it, we felt for them. Um, 
was more of a problem that no one communicated with us and we were literally walking to our team meeting to get on the bus when we found out and you know those kind of things just don't make sense you know there's there's got to be some sportsmanship involved in situations and communication between staffs and so it was more just having the carpet yanked out from under you than anything and uh you know i think we did everything we could to try to comfort guys and this and that but you know it's no different than losing a tough game you don't feel good again until you win the next one and we haven't had a next one <laughs> so it's been a long time and it definitely carried us through the offseason, just anxious to get back out there and do it again. Dave Doran joining us. I can appreciate that response. So you and I have talked in the past about Devin Leary, and he's coming off a season where he had 35 touchdowns and only five INTs. With those numbers, he's starting to get more and more attention nationally. That said, do you feel like he gets the level of respect and attention that he has earned and deserves? Well, you know, yes, he is now. He was not uh, at the end of last season, and Unfortunately, for whatever reason, um, there was other you know people that didn't see what he did, and I think as we got into the off season, people started really digging in and studying who's coming back in college football. They were like, "Wow, this guy had a spectacular season," you know. And it's not just the, the touchdown interception ratio. You look at you know what he did in tight games, what he did in the red zone, not throwing an interception, scoring on all of his two two minute drives, and some of them to win games. You know, he's a really good football player, and as you get to know him, you know, you respect him even more because he's a great human being that brings the same level of consistency to the locker room and the building every day. You know, you, made a, you make another good point. I was going to say it's, you know, you get that 35 to 5 ratio, and I could even say he's got that it, but it seems to me there's more to it than those two things. There's something here. Like, you've had, there have been some really great quarterbacks at NC State Russell Wilson, Phillip Rivers, Jacoby Brissett. And now Leary, in fact, where would you rank him among the school's all-time greats, especially in those tight pressure situations? You know, it's hard for me to, to compare him to Phillip and, and Russ just because I didn't coach those two guys. Um, and they were as good as they get, you know. Uh, with Jacoby and Ryan Finley, who came after him, both are NFL players, you know, they were all really good players. You know, the thing that separates Devin is his ability to, to score touchdowns in two-minute drives. I mean, he's very unique that way and just moves the team and finds ways to make plays to keep drives alive and score points, and, and that is very unique. There's just not as many players that I've seen that have that kind of knack of being so clutch at the end of the game or the end of the half. Dave Doran is joining us. Dave, speaking of NFL players, I wanted to ask you about Iki Ekwanu, who went to the Panthers with the sixth pick in this year's draft. The story goes that you knew from watching one play, one play of his high school tape, that he was going to be elite. What was that play? What did you see on that play that led you to believe that he was special? Yeah, it was actually in person. Um, we had already offered him, but I went and watched him play his senior year, and he was playing both ways, offensive line and defensive line, the entire game, playing hard and all of a sudden, they threw an interception. He was on offense at the time, and kid running it back, Hickey hit him. And, I mean, it was like the guy got launched out of a cannon. It was one of the most hard hits I've seen in person, and it's just like, wow. You know, I mean, the stuff this guy was doing on the field, I came back and told the staff, you know, that he's going to play as a true freshman. And that's hard to do as an offensive lineman. It's, there's other positions you can do it much easier. But it uh, didn't take long, and he was starting for us the left tackle. It's a great story. Speaking of great stories, I had Eli Drinkwitz on the show earlier this week. 
typically, as you might imagine, I love the conversation. He was your offensive coordinator at NC State before going to App State, now Missouri. What did you see in him that made you hire him? And then how much pride is there for you in seeing a former assistant have the kind of success he's having now? Yeah, you know, I'm really happy for Eli and his family. And, uh, you know, at the time, Jim, we, we were um, changing offensive styles, and I was trying to find someone that was really good in the pass game and could develop the quarterback position uh, as a thrower. Uh, we needed some creativity in our offense. You know, we had been really good uh, at running the football and, and really good in play action, different things like that. But with firepower at that time in our league with Clemson and Florida State and Louisville, we needed to have more opportunities through the past game. And so I just reached out to a lot of people in the business that I respect, and his name kept coming up as a really good young coach that understood offensive football and pass game. And after interviewing him, and it was clear he was the right fit for our program. Right. Let me ask you about your defense, Dave. On defense, you don't just have a lot of starters coming back, but you've got multiple starters in the two deep. Given that you can't really teach in-game experience, how valuable is it to have a defense that is loaded with guys who have that kind of experience? Yeah, it's awesome. I mean, you said it. You, you can't replace game reps. You know, you can find good players, and even guys that are transfers may come in. But, you know, we got guys that have 2,000 game reps behind them, and those kind of experiences those guys have, uh, the continuity that they have, the fact that all 10 of my assistants are back too, the only school in the conference that has all their assistant coaches back, there's continuity. So there's a lot of good things there, and we dealt with some tough injuries on defense last year that allowed the younger players to come in and, and kind of become starters on their own right. So we feel good about the depth and the competition going into camp on that side of the ball. Seems to me your defense looks amazing, like a really, really good defense. I want to just go back really quickly to what you said about the staff. What's it say about the culture of the program that you've built and vibe that everybody, in terms of the coaching staff, is coming back? Everybody's involved. Everybody wants to be there. Yeah, it says a lot. You know, I think it probably says more than any of the words I could put to it. It's just the action behind all 10 assistants staying, and several of them had opportunities to leave. So, you know, I think there's unfinished business here. There's great chemistry. Our, our coaches are friends, not just, you know, guys that work together. And they uh, have really good connections. And I think the the fact that we hang out together, the wives are good friends, it's, it's a good family feel, not just with the players, but with the staff. So, Dave, one more thing. Continuity is so huge, obviously, especially at a time when there's so much change, so much change in the game. One of the big talking points of the offseason, of course, the announcement that USC and UCLA are leaving the Pac-12 to go to the Big Ten. I'm curious, what was your reaction to that news? Is it just the way the game is going, or does the sport lose something when that happens? Yeah, well, it's unfortunate. It's the dollars ruling everything right now and realignment and television contracts and I think the student-athlete experience is, is really going to suffer. Um, if I'm an athlete in California that has to travel, you know, multiple times a week in some sports to, to go play in the middle of the country or the East Coast even with Rutgers in Maryland, you know, that's a lot of travel. It's a lot of time zone change. And, you know, you're waking up at 6 a.m. their time, which might be 4 or even 3 a.m. your time based on where you're at. I just don't see how that's good for the student-athlete. Uh, regardless how much more money it's bringing in for facilities, the experience is what it's about when you're playing your games and competing. So it's, I wish it was more regional-based with the changes that are being made. Um, that's just my two cents on it. I got you. 
They are going to open up their season against ECU on September 3rd. NC State coming off a nine-win season last year. Their head coach is entering his 10th season with the Wolfpack, Dave Doran. Dave, I appreciate the visit, as always. Thank you so much. Good luck. I know you and I will do it again soon. Yeah, thanks for having me, Jim. Go Pack. Remember that time, Head, when I hit you up and I said, Hey, Head, are you good for BHB tomorrow? And your response exactly one second later was, and I quote, bleeps dry dog. Do you remember, Head, when we had that exchange? You know, I I might recall that, Jim. How could you forget it, Head? It was yesterday. (laughs) It was yesterday. Imagine your boss asking you to do something and you Mm -hmm. responding with, quote, bleeps dry dog. Well, I mean, it's a fair assessment. Uh, the gambling world is a little dry out there. I was just being honest there. But, you know, I'm a pro, Jim. I figured I'd uh, kick in my Kyler Murray-type work ethic and show up to work today, knock a couple hours out. All right, you're not helping yourself at all. Imagine saying something like that Professor, to your boss no. when you only work one day a week. You know, what do you have to say for yourself other than bleeps dry dog? Never mind. I see you working with that quote, bleeps dry dog bullcrap. You knew that I wouldn't need you. I see you working. I'm on to you, head. You knew that I would not need you for two more weeks, so Mm. you figured if you came at me with bleeps dry dog, you might get yourself a three-week break. That's your deal, right, dog? Yeah, well, I mean, after Wednesday and that voice problem, I thought it was a walk-off Wednesday, and I was going to get like about six weeks. So, hell, I'm here. I'm happy to be here. I appreciate the I appreciate the honesty. Hey, remember that other time I flew you to Las Vegas (laughs) to meet with an important client, and you sat in the offices like you own that joint, and you started to drop F-bombs, and then you said, what's a guy have to do to get a drink around here? Remember that time? You know, I actually do. The meeting was in a casino, in my defense. Um, I thought we were being comped. I was going to ask for a um, a dry-aged steak, too, but I didn't. I just asked for a beer. Not a big deal. I was going to say, dude, even worse, you don't even really cocktail anymore. So what were you doing asking for a drink in a business meeting? But you just said to yourself, free is me. I thought we were calmed. All right, free so anyway. Free is me and no kids around. I was ready. Free is me and no kids around. You want to add no wife around either or just the kids? <laughs> that part, too. All right. So even though bleeps dry dog, mm-hmm. let's get your extremely wet picks dog. It's been a it. bat bleep college football offseason right Mm -hmm. but looking at the national title picture what do we have all the usual suspects Mm -hmm. and on top of that usc jumping up a bit with the arrival of lincoln riley Mm -hmm. here in la how are you playing the future national championship dog every year i take uh two of the basically four to five teams who could win it uh this year alabama and the dictator are the favorite but they are and they're loaded but the problem is if you want them you got to hit them by themselves. They are the plus 190 favorite to win the national championship. So, Jim, I'm going to go actually go to the Ohio State Buckeyes. Offensively, they can roll with Bama, and their problem has been on that defense. But they hired Jim Knowles away from Oklahoma State. He's one of the best defensive coordinators in the country. Where the Buckeyes struggled, his defense excelled at. Pressure on the quarterback, rushing yards allowed, and third down defense. I'll take the Buckeyes at plus 350. And for a second team, because I love taking two teams, I was going to take Slice Bread's bitch, Jimbo, and the Aggies, but I don't want to deal with that in Alabama and the SEC West. So I will, once again, for the second straight year, take the Georgia Bulldogs. They lost most of that D to the NFL, but they could next man up like Bama with five-star recruits. Plus, Stetson Bennett is back. 
He has weapons. Let's go Georgia at plus 425. So the Buckeyes, plus 350. Georgia, plus 425. I like that. Really interesting. Sidebar, are you at all concerned about Michigan? Jim Harbaugh has never felt better about Jim Harbaugh and Michigan. They've got to deal with Ohio State at Ohio State. Are you concerned about them? No, there's a reason why he's probably trying to get out of there. He knew. It's coming. (laughs) All right, then. No argument from me how about the early look at the heisman trophy race do you see any early value or are you going to be a little chalky coward not going to be a chalky coward here the chalk has actually changed too bryce young won the uh, heisman last year he was the favorite when the odds opened but ohio state cj stroud is now the favorite stroud is plus 200 young is plus 350 i'm hitting usc quarterback caleb williams i knew it plus yep Yes, you did. Yep, you know me pretty good. <laughs> Look, dude, he was on fire with Lincoln at OU. He was in the Heisman race as a true freshman for a minute there. He also has now Jordan Addison to throw the ball to, the former pit star. So I like Williams, but I'm going to take a shot too here, Jim, a big one. Plus 6,600 on quarterback Hendon Hooker of Tennessee. The guy threw for 31 touchdowns, what? only three interceptions, and rushed for over 600 what? yards last year. Yes, plus 6,600. He had the best single-season passer rating in program history at a school who had that one guy who had the same forehead as I did. He has four of his five linemen coming back. He has his top wideout, top running back. They do play a tough schedule at Pitt, Bama, at Georgia. But he could play good there at plus 6,600. Play well. Damn it, I did it again. Play well there at plus 6,600. I like that. So Caleb Williams plus 700. Hendon Hooker plus 6,600. Uh, incredible, dude. I think for all the all the times that we have done that, you I'm not going to say you make wild picks because you don't. Everything is extremely well-reasoned. That's the first one, though, that you've gotten a what out of me, much less a half a dozen what's. Massive, all right, though, I like it. Shot. Yep. I don't want you to be a cowardly, chalky little bitch. Let's talk some <laughs> baseball. The trade deadline is coming up fast, and I, I never thought that we would be talking about this. You heard John Morosi. By the way, you love him, don't you? Love him. Great. So good. One I do, too. Yeah. I never, ever thought that we'd be talking about Otani. Like, I knew we'd be talking about the Angels in a negative light. Unfortunately, I don't want to, but we have to. I never, ever thought we'd be talking about possibly them moving Otani. Of course, if there's a possibility, there is a number. Yep. What is the number? What's that market look like? Are you going to play it? Yes, there's a, uh, a number, a market. As of now, he's still favored to stay with the Angels at minus 150. The Padres are actually a pretty heavy favorite to land him here if he left Los Angeles. Plus 500 for the Padres to get him. The Cards are second choice at plus 900, followed by the Mets at plus 1,000 and the Yanks at plus 1,100. I think um, I'm going to hit the minus 115 for him to stay here. He's still under con- contract through next season. And it's pretty hard to predict the Angels and how bad they are at everything, but I don't see him moving here pretty quick. Um, it's hey, j- just to confirm, that's sad. before the deadline, right? Yes, exactly. It minus, expires after that point. Minus yeah. 115. So, minus in other words, you are being a cowardly, chalky little bitch. Got to win this one. Got to keep that money. Okay, I don't mind that. All right, so good thing about Dana White and UFC. There's always something to talk about. There's always a title fight or two. Always something to bet this weekend. is no different. Head UFC 277. You typically do very well on these cards. Who are you looking at this weekend? I'm looking at someone to pull a Patty T. Baggy someone this weekend is what I'm really looking at. The squats up and down. Oh, just yes, exactly like that. Patty T. Baggy. Patty T. Baggy. I see what you did there. (laughs) 
I'm looking at two rematches that happen to be two title fights here. The main event is the GOAT. Amanda Nunez trying to get her bantamweight strap back against Juliana Pena. Pena beat her in December when Amanda was a minus 1,000 favorite in many considering the biggest upset in the history of the sport. The number DraftKings has right now is Amanda minus 265 and Pena a plus 225 dog. I like Amanda here. The first fight. No other way to put it, she wasn't in shape. Pena got her to load up on her shots, got her into a brawl. She stood flat-footed, was reckless, and she gassed out, and she lost. I'd be shocked if she wasn't in the best shape of her life tomorrow night. But because that number is minus 265, I'll uh, parlay her with Brandon Marino, winning the interim fly belt over Kai Kara France. These two fought in 2019, hell of a fight, but Marino adjusted in the, uh, after the first round and started putting the pressure on France, so I like him there, too. I'm going to put both of them together in a two-fight parlay and get a plus 101 for that uh, pick right there. You know what? I, the I already did the same thing. Really? I, uh, yes, I did. I parlayed Beautiful. those two. I already did the there same thing. I Listen, I love both those gals. I think Amanda Nunes, I think she was beat up. I think she was complacent. I think she got a little—I think she lost some of that fire, some of that heat. When and you win I like so her a much, lot. right? It, it looks like she got complacent. Like she just showed up and she thought she could win it. Dude, she lost. Well, in the but by the way, round, because right? she kept showing up and dominating everybody, I, I can see where she maybe did. she would think that. Absolutely knocking but, out cyborg. Hey, let me ask everybody. you something though, Head. Like mm -hmm. minus two sixty five. I thought for a second, you know, would I hit that thing straight up? Would you ever hit something straight up minus two sixty five? Or are you just never gonna hit that play no matter how strongly you feel about it? No, I probably would. If I knew without a doubt they'd win, I'd probably hit it. I'd go up that high. I'd, okay. pro I'd probably almost go to 300s. Okay, fair enough. So, so as a reminder, you and I are going to take this segment. I want the clones to know this, that not everybody is aware of this. We're going to take this segment, this extremely popular once-a-week segment off of this show mm -hmm. and expand it for the NFL season and give it its own podcast. However... We still need a name for yes. it. We mm -hmm. do not have a name for it. I need you clones to hit me and also at Big Head Bets on Twitter with your suggestions. Winner gets, if you name it, winner gets nothing except credit <laughs> for a great idea. Head, so far, do you have any favorites or do you have your own suggestion? Uh, Jim Rome and the Big Dome Sports Betting Podcast. Not bad. Not, not bad. bad. I like that. But I think there's something better out there. The clones will find it. All right, clones, hit that up. Also, and it's a good thing you're listening right now because if you're not, we're going to hit you with a link. You snakes looking for a shortcut and a hack, looking for him to put up his tweet with his picks. We're not doing that ever anymore, all right? You've had, you've had your fun. You've had your run for a long time. Now you're going to have to earn it a little bit. So once again, Head, hit me up on the way out. Who and what do you like this week? College football national championship winner, the Buckeyes plus 350 and the Georgia Bulldogs plus 425. Heisman winner, Caleb Williams plus 700 and Hendon Hooker plus 6,600 for the long shot probably of the year. Major League Baseball, Otani minus 115 to stay on the Angels past the deadline here and UFC 277. We're going to parlay this thing with Amanda Nunez and Brandon Marino at plus 101. I like it. I haven't done it yet, but I'm going to hit Otani also. He's not moving. Beautiful. I'm going to hit that myself. Like hey, that. dude, thank you very much for manning up and muscling up through. I know what is considered an dude. extremely dry period, dog. Man, I got three weeks off. Later, dude. Vic in NoCal. Broadway Vic. What's going on, Vic? How are you? What's up, Rom? Hey, uh, I thought I'd come in here and get smack on season started a bit early this year. Oh, who knows? Maybe I'll just 
go ahead and win the smack off 10 times this year, starting with today's call. Nobody's ever done that, right? Win the smack off 10 times in one year. Let's have Stucknut check the data on that. Hey, uh, I love Con Air and Rogers showing up to training camp as Cameron Poe from Con Air. I said, put the bunny back in the box. Now I want to see other quarterbacks doing stuff like that. Like, how about Justin Herbert with his flowing locks showing up as Dalton from Roadhouse? He's out there dropping spinning back kicks on people. He's doing Tai Chi in the middle of team warm-ups. He's hitting the team's medical staff with nuggets of wisdom like, pain don't hurt. Well, unless you're Tyrod Taylor and the team doctor jams a needle right into your lung, that probably hurts. And Rome, breaking news this week in the NFL, Colts linebacker Darius Leonard says he wants to start using a new name. Now he's known as Shaquille Leonard. And hey, that's cool, but now that he changed his name to Shaquille, is he going to start putting out terrible rap albums? Is his voice going to drop like seven octaves? Is he going to start trash-talking opposing running backs every time he tackles them for a loss? Like, oh, Austin Eckler, tell me how my ass tastes. Derrick Henry, tell me how my ass tastes. Delvin Cook, tell me how my ass tastes. You better be careful when they play the Bucks, though, because Tampa running back Cheddar Baguette might just take him up on that and bite a big old chunk of meat out of his butt. Rome, some quick thoughts on the smack-off here. We know our boy Cruz Pedregon is best known for being a NHRA driver, but I got to give him credit for being a man of his word, man. I mean, he did promise to put the smack-off winner on his car, and there was no way in hell Big Fat Caleb was going to fit on some tiny little drag racer. So now Cruz is hitting the monster truck circuit. That's right. For one day at least, the jungle's very own Cruz Pedregon is the new proud driver of Grave Digger. And while we didn't have any uh, Canadian representation or female representation this year in the smack-off, we did have four-legged representation since you invited the dog. We could have also had some three-legged representation if you invited the shark. You know, it's, it's really funny to me that Greg Norman has that reputation as being a guy who comes up short when it matters most. Uh, no, that's not true. Not based on the pictures I've seen. I mean, come on, we're talking about a man who has to stand on his tippy toes every time he uses a urinal. A man who, throughout the entire pandemic, has been able to keep having sex while still maintaining proper social distancing. A man who, when he's out there running the live tour out there in the Middle East, and he takes a day off to go down to the beach in Dubai, and he's just lying there on his back on the sands of Dubai, all the tourists keep snapping pictures of him because they think he's the Burj Khalifa. So, yeah, Greg Norman, a guy who comes up short when it matters most, uh, I'm thinking probably not. And finally, Rome, I do have a message from my boy Jeff in Richmond. He wanted me to pass this along. Jeff says that he's really sorry he couldn't call the smack off this year. He was really busy that day. Uh, yeah, he was down there at Tony Siragusa's estate sale picking out a new wardrobe for himself. You know, it's crazy, Rome. We waited 35 years for a new Top Gun movie to come out only to have Goose die again. Out. Damn, Vic. Some heavy, heavy lifting there. Hey, Sarah, how are you? Hi, Jim. What's going on, man? What's up, Sarah? Good to hear your voice. Thanks. So, oh my God. So last night I saw Elton John at Gillette. That man is phenomenal, Jim. But you know what? The poor guy. So old and short, man, and wearing a stupid outfit. Way too youthful for him. You know, I'm not even talking about Elton. Talking about Bob Kraft, Jim. 
There he was. He's taking up precious space in the front row, Jim, like he owns the place or something. And then the worst part was Elton goes and dedicates, don't let the sun go down on me to him. How about your masseuse, Bob? And then I got to thinking, Jim, of all the songs Elton could have dedicated to this Bob Kraft, I'm surprised he didn't deep dive deep into that like extensive repertoire he has. How about like Tiny Groper? Or, or I, guess, I guess that's why they call him a perv. Uh, that's what spas are for. And then, of course, my personal favorite, Sad Dongs pays so much. But anyway, Jim, the show is great. And Elton is legend. And guess what, Jim? The bitch is back. Rack me. Yeah! Sarah, Sarah, Sarah. Do exactly what she said. Rack him! Rack her. Sarah's not afraid. Sarah is not afraid. Fabian, you cut the line, dude. You're right to the front of the line. What's up, Fabes? Doggy dog. Thanks for taking my call, bro. I'm not going to take much of your time. The only thing I'm going to get here is a little bit of jungle karma. Uh, you're going to be gone for two weeks, and next week I'm going to go and see if I'm going to have surgery or not on a broken broken clavicle, right? So I need that positive energy, that positive energy from the jungle, bro. Wish you luck on your trip. And you know what? It just crossed my mind. It would be kind of cool if you would bring back I know you can't come back, right? But Jay Moore, I used to love it when Homeboy used to um, take care of the jungle when you were gone, bro. Anyways, I'm hi- hyperventilating too. Talk to you guys later, man. Have fun. Late. All right, Faves. You got it. You got jungle karma. You know you, our thoughts are with you. Dude, how did you break your clavicle? Did you give yourself a fist bump on your clavicle? Alvi, might you be ready to do what you do best? Then go ahead and roll it. Welcome to the program. My name is Jim Rome. The program is The Jungle. This is The Jungle. How did the weekend go? How is your week starting off? What's going on? Some breaking news this morning and a lot of show for you on a Monday. Let's get it. Why don't we start with Kevin Durant? Hey, half am. Would you break up your core? Would you move two of your three cornerstones to get a guy who's one of the best in the world? Is that a real question? But a guy who you really can't count on to be happy and a guy who's going to turn 34. Would you make that deal? Half fan. Jane Norvell, my guest. The traditional regional rivalries are just so different. I just don't know what fans' appetite for those kind of games are going to be. When you came up, you don't remember all those epic USC Rutgers matchups back in the day? The Radio Hall of Fame is like other Hall of Fames. We embrace each other. One piece of advice, Susan. If they say to you, you have five minutes, keep it at five minutes. I've seen it happen. It's not pretty. It's awkward. Darius Butler. Could you put them behind the wheel of an F1 rig? Hey, you know what? It's all mental, man. I don't know about that. My vacation is on a bike riding across the state of Iowa. Twitter! We will welcome him with open arms. Regards meth farmhouses and the relentless stench of ass. Email. Have you ever hosted a garage sale? I haven't had a garage sale, but bro, my garage sale would be the greatest garage sale ever because in effect, my garage would be an Apple store. Lightly used, never used. When the no-cal bike stealing battery... I stole a fellow college student's bike. You ripped a cop's bike. That that makes a little bit different, Sean. Yeah, I would imagine in the 90s, I pretty much did have a take on that. I'm like, come on, bro. You mad, bro? Let's go steal some police bikes. He is Matt Holiday. Probably a little warm for a turtleneck, but next time I come on, maybe both of us go turtleneck and we'll get a shot of that. Mandating that a professional athlete study film shocks the hell out of me. Is there also a make your bed? 
bed clause. Wash your dishes clause. Shut the door, the AC is on clause. Is there a stop leaving the jacuzzi on clause? Yeah, very odd. You do not pay a guy and hope and wish that he's going to become a different person. Rudy, it's good to have you. How are you? Actually, it's Rude Dog from North Topeka. Why do they call you Rude Dog? Because I'm a not polite Ah. Paul Chris, the Rome family is making an annual pilgrimage to one of your games this year. So I, I appreciate it. it. Hell yeah. A little Tebow to him. I mean, you do realize a statement like that sticks not only to Trey, but his kids and his kids' kids. I mean, who are you? And what are you doing in the summer of 2023? Welcome to... Uh-oh. Wow, that was even worse than I thought. What's cracking? Welcome to the jungle. I am Jim Rome. I cracked open the mic, and then my voice cracked like Kermit the Frog. Kermit the Frog here. Mona, what's going on? I don't think any of you vinegar or anything. You sound great. Not as good as you sound, Mona. You sound amazing. <laughs> Eli Drinkwitz is my guest. Man, I'm doing better than you are. You sound like crap, but you got an opportunity to display some toughness today. <laughs> With the latest allegations against Tennessee, let's hold up on what my record is because I expected to vacate some wins. Can I get your reaction to the latest allegations against Tennessee? Yeah, personally, I got to question my wife's commitment to winning. Dan Wetzel is joining us. I'm good. Not easy to follow Coach Drinkwitz, though. Hey, well, let me pat my homes here, brother. The roster of smack-off callers is weaker than the wide receiver room in Kansas City. Oops, did I just say that out loud? There's really only one guy from the smack-off who I think deserves my respect. Broadway Vic. Correct him under, Rome. That guy is unbelievable. I see a lot of myself in him. The Mets have swept the Yankees. The Yankees just ran into an orange and blue buzzsaw. They're lucky they made it out of there alive. L. G-M-L-F-G-M-E-T-S. Adrian yeah. Amos is joining us. You know, I consider myself a fat boy. I feel like I gained too much weight too fast, and they put me at back or something. Fat boy, how many you got? Twitter. Enjoy your vacation. Have really enjoyed your guest hosting stint. This is the Jim Rome Show with guest host Jim Rome on hey, I'm Jim Rome. I just want to say how much I appreciate Jim Rome. Just keeping Jim Rome's seat warm for Jim Rome. I'm Jim Rome. Austin Eckler, tell, tell me how my ass tastes. Derrick Henry, tell, tell me how my ass tastes. Delvin Cook, tell, tell me how my ass tastes. How about like Heine Groper? Or or I guess I guess that's why they call him a perv. And then of course my personal favorite, Sad Dong, tastes so much. And have a wonderful weekend. I always look forward to our conversation. Sports Flash. All right, Jim. Good segment there with JP. We did an homage at you. Hyperventilating, too. Always love being on, man. Love following your show. I cut down all the trees in the jungle so you couldn't breathe. Jim, thanks for having me on. I always love listening to your show. You're the best. Making copies of the knock list. <laughs> Put the money back in the box. I appreciate it, Jim. Take care. I don't give a damn why they call you rude dog. <laughs> I'm going to teabag him, lad. Just squat up and down. Unfortunately, pick down our leg. Apple cider vinegar. Man, I got three weeks off. Later, dude. <laughs> the bitch is back. Rack me. I am out. It's time for me to take a vacation. Good night now. Oh, there's some good, good stuff there, Alvy. Well done. Uh, I don't even know where to go, where to start. Rude Dog, man. Rude Dog did seem rude. Rude Dog seemed extremely rude. I'll tell you what, I'm hard. I'm a hard dude. You see the way I sounded when I cracked open the mic? Was that Wednesday or Tuesday? I don't even remember at this point. Man, I sounded horrible. Welcome to... Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Wow, that was even worse than I thought. What's cracking? Welcome to the jungle. I am Jim. That Rowe. was even worse than I thought. You got to admit, I bounced back. That was a strong recovery. 
Good night now!